Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A person says goodnight to their loved ones, only to disappear, never to be seen again. Strangely vanished by the following morning to remain an unsolved missing persons case many years later. Overnight disappearances this week on Mysteriously Listed. Number 6. Tamika Pridgen Cassandra Best and her daughter, 16-year-old Tamika Pridgen, were each other's best friend. They were all each other had and spent all their free time together. This changed in May of 2001 when Cassandra started seeing 31-year-old Eric Moore, a relationship that wasn't working out, and on the evening of May 12, 2001, she had plans to break up with him. Cassandra arrived home at 10pm and spoke to Moore on the phone, He told her he would arrive at her apartment on South Street in LaGrange, North Carolina, in five minutes. Cassandra went upstairs to her room to rest and wait, leaving Tamika in the living room at 10.15. Tamika was barefoot and on the phone with a friend. Cassandra would fall asleep, waking up around midnight, to find Tamika missing and more not at the house. Tamika's shoes and purse were left behind. Cassandra immediately contacted the police. The police would arrive to find no sign of forced entry. They interviewed the friend Tamika was speaking to that night, only to find out that Tamika ended the phone call when she heard a knock on the front door. Police initially classified Tamika as a runaway. They believed she went to Goldsboro. While they believed that, it's not clear. There is limited information available in my research, but the case would quickly go cold. In 2006, police would contact Cassandra with information that would make her blood run cold. That her boyfriend, Moore, had passed criminal convictions for a sex crime, kidnapping, assault and theft. Moore would be convicted in Greensville, where he lived at that time. He would be convicted of second-degree sexual offence against a minor that occurred in 2003, two years after Tamika went missing. Moore would ultimately serve a nine-year prison sentence and was released in 2015. He denies ever being at Cassandra's apartment that night and claims not to know what happened to Tamika. Tamika Pridgen was 16 at the time of her disappearance. She was 5 foot 8 and around 165 pounds. Tamika is African American with brown eyes and brown hair that had blonde highlights when she went missing. She also had braces on her teeth. 
She was last seen wearing a mint green V-neck T-shirt, a knee-length mint green skirt printed with white flowers and a gold dolphin necklace. If Tamika is still alive today, she would be 36 years old. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Number 5. Elijah Running Bear Diaz To say 20-year-old Elijah Running Bear Diaz was a fighter, it would be an understatement. Elijah, or Bear, as he was preferred to be called. Actually, he was so known by the name Bear that many family and friends did not know his name was Elijah until after he went missing. Bear was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at six years old, an illness that would mean Bear was required to give himself insulin shots three times a day. He would be admitted to hospital on a regular basis. Because of this, he missed a lot of school. His family would ultimately allow Bear to drop out of high school and get his GED. Bear was a member of the Baronia tribe, and because of his position within the tribe, he received a monthly check from a casino on the reservation. Bear wanted to be smart with this money and saved to buy himself a home, a major accomplishment for someone who had just turned 20 years old. Bear was known to be a very trusting and generous person. He paid for a lot of things for his friends. He would even let friends come and go and stay at his home if they needed to. Bear thrived in company and loved to be surrounded by people. He did not seem to enjoy being alone for any length of time. In August 2015, Bear was struggling with his health. He was losing his vision and he needed crutches even to walk because of foot issues caused directly from complications from his diabetes. He was very underweight. He was depressed because his stepbrother had just suicided, a stepbrother he was extremely close to. He couldn't drive and was frustrated with his illness. August 29, 2015. Bear had spent the day with his extended family, with his mother, Lilaney Thompson, dropping him at his home at 10pm. Lilaney would later report that Bear started to become increasingly agitated throughout the evening and wanted to go home. 
telling his mother on the drive home that he was sick and lonely and didn't want to talk to her about it because no one understood. When Lilani arrived back home, she texted her son to let him know that she was home safe. Bear texted her back immediately and told her that he loved her and he was sorry he got mad. They would text back and forth for a while. Nothing unusual with Bear's last message, which was sent at 11.20pm. Bear's phone would continue to ping throughout the night. Bear's regular roommate would arrive home at 2am. He would later state that Bear's door was closed and nothing seemed disturbed or missing. Many of Bear's neighbours were also from the Baronia tribe and they would also later report not seeing anything unusual that night. The following day at 4pm, Lilani went to drop off some food for Bear's dinner. This was something Lilani did for her son every day. But on this day, he wasn't there. In his room, his bedding was missing, his big screen TV was missing, a week's worth of diabetes medication was missing, $7,000 was missing from his safe, and his crutches, they were gone too. Left behind was his toothbrush, glasses and phone charger. Initially, Lelaney tried not to be too concerned. Bear did have a history of taking off for a few days with friends and not to tell his family. Lelaney tried to keep her anxiety at bay and did not report him missing until August 31st. That was when Bear missed several important doctor's appointments. As part of their investigation, police attempted to search the areas where Bear's phone pinged but these areas were too rugged to get their vehicles into. Helicopters were brought in to assist, but nothing was found. It has been theorised that possibly animals may have removed his remains. Bear's family is adamant that he was not suicidal and he was not able to leave on his own accord due to his declining health. They firmly believe he trusted the wrong person and was taken and killed. Elijah Running Bear Diaz, or Bear, was 20 years old at the time of his disappearance. He was 5 foot 10 and around 110 pounds. He is Native American with brown hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a grey sleeveless shirt and white baseball shorts. There is currently a $50,000 reward for information leading to the whereabouts of Bear. If Bear is still alive today... He would be 25 years old. Number 4. Kathy Pereira Summer 2015 was an eventful one for 15-year-old Kathy Pereira. She had spent it with her grandparents in Lisbon, Portugal. And in August, she had returned home with happy memories to her parents' home on the 500 block of Mandolin Court in Gasbury in Maryland. Kathy was one of four children, with older siblings Jonathan and Emily and younger brother Christopher. Her mother Lillian would later describe Kathy as being friendly but shy, and she was a homebody, preferring the company of her family over anyone else. 
On Sunday, August 16, 2015, Kathy and her family spent the day at Virginia Beach. After they got home, it was movies and snacks. Kathy spoke of her plans for the future that night, how she wanted to go to college to study business and then return to Portugal to get her master's degree. Kathy would kiss her parents goodnight and go to bed. The next morning, when her younger brother Christopher went to wake her, Kathy was gone. Kathy's family would spend Monday, August 17th, driving around the neighbourhood looking for her. All of her friends were contacted, but no one had seen her. Kathy's normally very active social media accounts remained untouched, with no new posts since the night she was last seen. She would be reported missing to police that evening. Detectives would take samples of Kathy's hair, but to this date, they have not come up with a match. Authorities do believe that she left on her own accord and that she may have not left the local area. There were sightings of her soon after her disappearance with a teenage boy. This boy has never been identified. Kathy Pereira was 15 at the time of her disappearance. She was 5 foot 3 and around 120 pounds. Kathy is Hispanic with brown hair and brown eyes. Her ears, nose, tongue and navel are pierced. If Kathy is still alive today, she would be 20 years old. Number 3. Pretty Porter 22-year-old Pretty Porter struggled to find her footing after graduating from Ashbrook High School in 2007. She worked a series of manufacturing jobs without finding a career she was truly passionate about, and by 2009, she had left an abusive relationship, one she was struggling to make a clean break from. She'd moved home to live with her mother, Tanya Davis, and stepfather, on Windy Hills Drive in Gastonia, North Carolina. Tanya banned Pretty's ex-boyfriend from being in or around her home. Sunday, April 29, 2009, Pretty went to church with her parents and younger brother Chauncey. Afterwards, the family went to dinner together. When they returned home, Pretty went into her room and logged into MySpace, before leaving the home again to visit a friend who lived in the neighbourhood. She would return home again around 10pm, saying goodnight to her mother and going to bed. The next morning, Tanya needed a coat that Pretty had borrowed in the days earlier. She knocked on her daughter's door, but there was no answer, and the door was locked from the inside. Tanya enlisted the help of her husband, Pretty's stepfather, to break into the room. Inside, they found the window screen lying on the floor and no sign of Pretty. Her purse and cell phone were still in the room. Despite evidence showing Pretty did not intend to leave for long, Tanya assumed that Pretty left the home to visit friends and just forgot to tell her. Pretty was not reported missing for one week. Tanya now believes that because her ex-boyfriend was not welcome in the home, Pretty had snuck out to see him. 
It was out of character for Pretty, who'd never snuck out of the home before. And at 22 years old, she was an adult and really didn't need to. Because of her age and length of time for the missing persons report to be filed, police initially classified Pretty as leaving voluntarily, running away with her ex-boyfriend most likely. However, their views have now changed, and they theorise that foul play is most likely. In a 2017 news article, authorities advised they had leads into Pretty's whereabouts, but would not make this information public, as it may jeopardise their investigation. Now, it's unclear if Pretty's ex-boyfriend was ever officially questioned regarding her disappearance. However, he has told the family he did not see her that night. Tanya no longer believes her daughter to be alive and just wants to be able to give her a proper burial. Pretty Porter was 22 at the time of her disappearance. She was 5 foot 3 and around 140 pounds. Pretty is African American with black hair and brown eyes. She prefers to be known by her middle name, Ashley, and may be going by this name now. She was last seen wearing a black t-shirt, grey sneakers and blue jeans. If Pretty is still alive today, she would be 33 years old. Number 2. Daniel Reeves 25-year-old Daniel Reeves spent the evening of May 3rd, 2008 with his long-term girlfriend of seven years, Sarah, watching television and unwinding. It had been a busy year already for the couple. They'd become parents to a boy who Daniel had been described as an amazing dad to. They had plans to marry and have more children when he and Sarah finished their studies at Indiana State College. Family meant everything to Daniel. He was an introvert and was more comfortable around computers than people, but he would do anything for his family. Sarah would later report Daniel to be in good spirits that night, that he was not depressed, and although he struggled with anxiety, it was something he had under control at the time of his disappearance. Sarah would later report that she would have fallen asleep first, between midnight and 2am. Sarah would be woken by a notification on her phone at 4am to discover Daniel had left the home. The message was from him, and it simply said, I love you. This would be the last known contact from Daniel. Sarah would call him five minutes later, but there was no answer. The timeline of this disappearance gets a little murky here. There would be reports called into police of Daniel's 1999 gold Chrysler Sebring convertible being abandoned on Green Hills Road in Madison, near Cliffy Falls State Park, 11pm on the night he went missing. If this is correct, this contradicts Sarah's version of events, as she said he was home until at least midnight. Regardless, a week later, police would follow up on these sightings and they processed Daniel's abandoned car. Daniel's car would be found unlocked. His wallet, credit cards, ID, they were all found inside. 
His keys and cell phone were missing, along with any sign of Daniel. Cliffy Falls is a popular hiking spot for locals, and Daniel did enjoy hiking to clear his head when he was feeling overwhelmed. But in the middle of the night, it seems unlikely he would go hiking at 4am without telling anyone. And his family agree with this statement. They question whether it was actually Daniel who left his car in the park that night. However, it is normal for Daniel to leave his car unlocked. A massive search was launched in the park after this. Unfortunately, authorities found nothing in the park that was tied to Daniel, nor his disappearance. There have been no leads or sightings of Daniel since, almost 13 years later. Daniel Reeves was 25 at the time of his disappearance. He had dark brown hair and blue eyes. He was last seen wearing a white or light blue t-shirt, long tan shorts, light brown suede steel-toed sneakers, and possibly a black leather-like jacket. If Daniel is still alive today, he would be 38 years old. Number 1. Brenda Jackson U.S. Army veteran, 31-year-old Brenda Jackson, lived in Park Forest, Illinois, where she worked at the Food Service Department at Rich South High School in nearby Richton Park, a job that she found extremely rewarding and she enjoyed. She was married and a mother to six children that were her entire world. Unfortunately, in August 2015... Brenda's perfect life fell apart. The Department of Children and Family Services took guardianship of Brenda's children due to a domestic violence report involving Brenda's husband, Antonio Jackson, where Brenda refused to press charges. Brenda's parents, Maria and Joel Gonzalez, received custody of four of the children The youngest child, who was only a newborn at the time, was put into foster care. And Brenda's eldest child, to a previous relationship, he went to live with his father in Texas. Brenda was determined to get her children back, though. They meant everything to her. And Brenda would file for divorce in late December in 2015. Because of this, she was permitted supervised visits. On January 3, 2016, Joel Gonzalez dropped Brenda off at her home at the 200 block of Arcadia Street after visitation with the children. His parting words with his daughter was, quote, Goodbye, I love you, honey. I will see you tomorrow, unquote. He was to pick her up and drive her to work the following day. Brenda would go into the home and call her mother, Maria, to let her know she had gotten home safe and Joel was on his way back. This was at 10.30pm. This would be the last known contact with Brenda Jackson. The following morning when Joel arrived to get his daughter, there was no answer. She did not make it into work. Her purse would be found within the home with her jacket and credit cards. Her cell phone, however, was missing. Brenda's mother Maria would report her daughter missing on January 5th. 
Police conducted searches in the adjoining Cook County National Forest that is home to a large lake with lots of steep wooded areas. Unfortunately, due to severe weather with below zero temperatures at the time, the search was called off early. In late January 2016, Joel and Maria would lose custody of their grandchildren and they would be put into state care. Authorities stated this was due to the couple breaching the custody requirements that included not allowing visitation with the children's father, Antonio. Maria would argue that they only gave Antonio access as they believed he was responsible for Brenda's disappearance and they wanted to keep him close. Maybe he would slip up on clues as to what he did with her. Police have never named Antonio as a suspect in the case but they have publicly stated that he is refusing to cooperate with their investigation. Brenda Jackson was 31 at the time of her disappearance. She was 5 foot and around 125 pounds with black hair and blue eyes. There is currently a $3,000 reward for information leading to Brenda's whereabouts. If Brenda is still alive today, she would be 35 years old. Do you have something you would like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Message us on Facebook at Mysteriously Listed and on Twitter at Mysterious List. If you like what you have heard today, we would love for you to share this episode on your social media of choice. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate it if you could leave a positive review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Research, additional writing and hosting is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.